to Internet Marketing for Humans, digestible internet marketing insight and advice to help you grow your business. Hello and welcome back to Internet Marketing for Humans. I'm your host, Andrew Laws. And if you've listened to the podcast before, you'll know I like to gather around me interesting humans. And there's somebody locally who we've sort of known each other, kind of, for a while, but we've recently kind of become reacquainted. So I'd like to introduce you all to Helen Oldfield. Helen, would you like to tell us everything about your entire life? Uh, Okay, (laughs) everything about my entire life in about 20 seconds. Um, I'm a Sheffield lass, came south to Suffolk, started in arts marketing at festivals, went into charities for about 12 years, then began my own PR agency about 12 years ago and um, worked mainly with arts, culture, tourism, travel, hospitality clients. There you go. So anybody who knows anything about myself and and kind of what I get up to will see kind of where the common ground is there quite clearly. So when you when you left um, education, was PR kind of a definite goal for you? Is it something you 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 aimed at or... Are you one of the many people who appears to sort of stumble into PR? Totally stumbled, totally stumbled. In fact, was going to be a social worker and spectacularly oh. failed my A-levels. The world is a safer place. Do you know what? I, to me. <laughs> I, I was going to be a social worker as well. Were you? <laughs> I was. Um, I mean, I don't don't know what that's about really why I thought of that but um no I'm I'll, I'll, I'll tell you another time kind of what was steering me in that direction <laughs> it's, it was it was quite a fun thing but anyway so so PR now the reason I was interested in speaking to you and especially getting you on the podcast is that a large amount of SEO work is in fact very similar to PR um any any SEO pro who doesn't consider PR or at least consider themselves partly PR is he probably going to make their lives difficult? If I just very quickly explain why for the listeners, a lot of what we do in SEO is build links and build relationships. So we want people, for example, I want my customers, now I've got this the wrong way around. <laughs> I want to go find people that get excited about what my clients do. The idea being that, that they'll talk about them on their websites and their social and then link through to them. So to do that, we build relationships now that is fairly similar am i right to to kind of the way you go about pr yeah that's a really the building relationships and 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 finding links building links in effect is Mm. part of a really important part of the kind of pr that i do um which is less actually about traditional just getting people into the media you know the mainstream media Mm. and more about trying to match brands together or brand values together so, you're, so that each can become a kind of ambas- a mutual ambassador. So you're a matchmaker. You're a brand matchmaker. Yeah, I'm kind of a, ma- a brand matchmaker is the perfect synopsis, really, for what <laughs> my kind of PR is all about. Not every PR agency. You know, some do lots of traditional placing articles and editorial and news in media. Mm. Um, and that's a sideline thing, of course, for me. But um, no, mainly mine's about finding how can we scale up something really quickly through just finding the right person, people or organisation that's already doing something exciting in a similar kind of field, perhaps all working for the same common goal or with the same core audience. So it's kind of on a, a, a take your time, be careful, uh, not careful, tread so my words are stumbling all over the place at the moment. It, it's it's more about 
it's not a quick fix, I think is is what I'm trying to say. The, the reason I, I raised that is kind of years ago when I f- first kind of, um, I got a phone call from an organization called Cision, who I'm sure you'll know. And they said, hey, you do SEO, you need our PR database. And I said, oh, I'll give it a look. And I looked and it's just hundreds of thousands of names of journalists and, and magazines and whatever. And I thought, mm. wow, look at all this. And then I realized very quickly that it was going to be absolutely useless to me because I don't have the time or the resource yeah. to make friends, essentially, with with all these people. So it's interesting to kind of hear you say that because I, I very much kind of wanted to get, get your impression of what you believe successful PR is. Just to explain to my listeners, because the listeners to this podcast are predominantly business owners or people who are in SEO, digital marketing industry, and and are looking for ways to to build those relationships. So Mm. without putting you on the spot too much, kind of what what do you think is the most important thing when when looking for someone? Do you have a criteria um, in your head, like a a list of things that, that people have to match? Or is it kind of a gut instinct experience thing? Do you mean in the sense of, um, you know, what what links and community outreach should they be doing to build their brand? I mean, if, do you mean in terms of how I define what's necessary to do effective PR for for any brand? That, do you know, it sounds like an absolutely huge question to ask you. And I it's feel a, a bit, huge question. It is, it is a bit. Both. We can do both. I mean, if I, if I start, let's start with the building blocks, the foundations. What PR go. is all about mm-hmm. is um, building trust between customer and potential brand, building um, reputation based on evidence, you know, whether that's customer experience, customer journey, or people's perceptions of uh, that brand. Mm-hmm. So you don't ever even have to be a customer to believe it's a good brand and want to do business with them at some time. And a quick PS on that one is, I don't actually drink smoothies, but I love innocent smoothies and would always be happy to buy an innocent smoothie for those that want to drink. Um, And then I think probably it's about um, maintaining that reputation Mm. through practical steps. And sometimes that might be through media coverage, you know, drip feed of we're still there, we're still great, we're still leaders, we're still experts. Very often it's about doing the thing that we spoke earlier of, which is partnership building. People want to work with you and your brand. Yeah, so it's, I think, unfortunately, especially in, in the SEO industry, a lot of people see PR as just a way of getting press or just, you know, just a way of getting links. But I've always kind of viewed it as something much, much deeper than that because you and I spoke a few days ago and um, I I was talking about kind of magazine PR, industry magazines, Mm. and I sort of very dismissively said, well, you know, I I can get press releases published in most industry magazines by buying advertising in them. And that is Mm -hmm. absolutely true, but let let me try try and explain where I'm coming from here. In SEO, if something's really easy, if it's just like flicking a switch, you may get a very brief benefit from it, but you're not going to get a long-term return. So mm. my view, and correct me if I'm wrong, my view of good PR is you develop those relationships because you, it's not just about getting words in a, in a magazine or on a website. It's about an opportunity arising and you developing a mutual relationship between you and a, a news outlet. Or I keep focusing on news outlets. I mean, who else, yeah. what other sorts of people do you speak to? 
Um, well, I speak with lots and lots of um, freelance editorial feature writers. In fact, they're the vast majority of journalists nowadays. There, there aren't that many staffers. And um, as of recording this with you tonight on the 15th of July, Andrew, another 185 staffers have just been made redundant at one of the broadsheets oh, due wow. to COVID-19. Guardian has just laid off a load of um, oh, staffers. I'm yeah. surprised So, um I know, but it's because of this idea of people wanting free news and, you know, going online and not subscribing and not buying it, not, not willing to, to pay for it. Anyway, so the vast majority of people that I spend my time talking with nowadays are freelance editorial feature writers. And my task is to try and uh, match the brand or the story with their interests, first and foremost. And then once I've found the match, which is, OK, you're going to now pitch that to your commissioning editor at these titles that we believe are a good match. It's, it's like that kind of tandem relay race. Their job is to pitch so that they can write it and be commissioned and get paid as a freelancer. But my job is to pitch to that freelancer based on me having already done the homework of which magazines, which columns, which pages, which content might work for our client. So, so there's a lot of um, matchmaking again. Yeah, it's a lot more symbiotic than 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 I mm. thought. I mean, if anyone's listening to this who's listened to the podcast before, I don't have all the answers ever. I've never claimed to, which is I was thinking. Who does? I, I know. I think it's fun when I have have episodes like this where I think I know something about a subject and then kind of very quickly go, "Do you know what? I think I've got this wrong." <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So so you are you are not just a source for writers. And journalists, you are no. a well a supporter. I think is a fair thing to say. Yes, my approach is um, again, it's that matchmaking thing, but it's about matching maybe the top twenty or thirty journalists that I have in my own database of database that I've been over you know twelve to fifteen years of working in this industry. Um, but I will never. I can't think of a single occasion when I will send a media release, for example, out to everyone on that database in that industry. It just won't, it won't work. You know, it just won't work. You used a brilliant expression with me the other day, Andrew, and it was about, um, what was it? You said something about... I, 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 d- I describe it sometimes as the, the fire hose approach yeah, to PR. Yeah, marketing <laughs> with a scalpel, not a fire hose. Yes. That's it. So I'm really with you on that. Um, And it's still prevalent in the PR agency industry to craft like one generic media release and push it out, automate it with a pre-paid for subscription only database Mm. to every single journalist and title and individual in the world (laughs) Mm. that might at one stage have expressed through a tick box form their interest in that subject so there's your fire hose approach i do it the other way around and i'll yeah i'm, I'm not going to name names but there, there's a quite a popular directory in one of the niches I'm, i work in and yeah. we we didn't want to renew i didn't want my client to renew because it, it just it wasn't an appropriate thing and they countered with i tell you what you know next press release we can send it out to four thousand people and i know for a fact this niche is such a micro niche there's only around probably a hundred companies in the world that, that are in this niche. And I was like, if you send that to 3000 people, we, I, I think my client might sue you <laughs> because you know yeah. it, it'd be so 
damaging compared to this this kind of this um this message that that we've built for the for the client of you know mm. this is our core thing and which brings us kind of rather neatly onto the loose topic that we set for this this mm. podcast and it's kind of how the importance of yeah using that scalpel to to create a message rather than using a fire hose to try and be everything to to everybody Mm. Well, I've got a couple of techniques that I use, which are, uh, are kind of like reverse psychology. It, appear, it appears, um, you know that old adage: you should you should always know what you're for. Um, I actually disagree that that's the most helpful starting point and question. I always want to know what are my new clients against, mm. firmly against. What? Who are you not for? Just tell me at the outset. It saves an awful lot of um, soul searching and planning and, and research. If we can just park over here instantly, huge subsections of a wider potential audience base. Now let's funnel down and see what the messaging is needing to be for the people that you are interested in reaching. You are you are proactively thrilled at the prospect of doing business with these people or reaching these people. And it might be a tiny subset of a huge potential wider audience base. My experience, um, that's not always something a lot of, a lot of clients know. I recorded a podcast with Angie and Franzi, a, a studio brand up. And part of one of the things they do very well is sitting down with business owners and marketers and saying, you know, how do you think you're perceived and how do you want to be perceived? You know, what's your target market? And this is not what they've said. This is from my experience. It's quite often business owners will say, well, we don't know. You know, we just want people to to buy the product. I think, yeah. okay, well, if if you figure out the step before that, then, I mean, it's mm. quite nice as a digital marketer because it means I can add quite a lot of value to the relationship with, mm. my, with my clients. But mm. it astonishes me that how many people don't consider that. Yeah. And, and by just having a conversational approach to that initial research, which is, you know, what are you against? And there's no wrong answer. Just what mm. are you against? And very quickly, people realize they are against an awful lot of things and I don't mean necessarily politics but yes that may come into play and actually it's immensely important when you're looking at um, the the media channels through which you have the potential to enable them to scale up and get massive um, coverage and mm. reach you know if you know because they've told you at the outset I'm against this or that well you can say we're not going to even pitch to that newspaper or that channel or that person we know it's not going to thrill them you know that it will not be a good match so let's try redirecting it elsewhere it's a great approach and it, it can help it, it can help um help get the lay of the land in an industry very quickly i mean in seo i, I believe it's it's unethical to work with two companies in the, exactly the same niche you know, same field yes. not yes. same niche so you, you've sort of given me a really polite way of of saying to new clients right who are the kids no one likes in this class you <laughs> know which yes. are the which are the companies that that everyone scoffs at and everyone sort of sees as a try hard and i'll give you a really yeah. fun example quickly i was at, i was at an exhibition um in the packaging industry and it's quite a state. It's quite, a, you know, a, a, 
it's quite a gray suited industry i think you could say but there was one stand and there the company had all their staff dressing up as superheroes and they're all wearing lycra things and, and i thought to myself <laughs> i thought that's great they're going to really stand out and i realized after i've been there a while those people looked really unhappy and it's because everyone else in the industry really hated that approach <laughs> i saw that saw them at the next exhibition they were just wearing suits and stuff and i thought ah oh, it kind of sucks because i i love adventurous people i love people that will just you know run face first into something with a little bit of research of course and i, th- I yeah. felt i felt a bit deflated on their behalf but it does go to show <laughs> it does go to show that if you don't know an industry you can't just charge in you can't yeah. Ev- everyone likes to think they're a disruptor you know and i see a lot of a lot of people who want to market through disrupting the market but yeah. you know you, you can you can really burn <laughs> you can do really bad you can things. i was really interested in um let's take your readers back to your previous your readers your <laughs> listeners back to your previous podcast with james from fork because oh, yeah. um you know you were talking about can you disrupt through messaging only i love that whole conversation that you had because that's the kind of conversation that i will routinely have with clients of mine as part of that what are you against mm. and what are you for and when they can't find the words to describe or define it, I say, okay, well, where do you shop? What do you like about that? Do you like their advertising? You know, it's like just throwing a few bones, mm. as it were, to get the conversation started. And um, and I realised that one of the great examples that I use day-to-day just conversation is, you know, the old Ron Seal one, it does what it says on the tin. It's been around for generations, but it remains enduring because it's so spot on. And we want every strap line and every message to do exactly that, don't we? That's the measurement of an effective campaign and message. That must have been a cracking meeting kind of when they came up with that. It's it's entered into common language usage. That's what I mean. I use anyway in terms of, you know, just analogies and mm. yeah. So it's a good one. Um, did James actually tell you that we worked on one of his very, 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 very early campaigns together? Share cars, not cake. And it was <laughs> I don't know that. It was in the very early days of my business, and you know, some time ago um, for both of us, and and that was an interesting one because he he spoke in your podcast about being sometimes being too early, didn't he? Mm. Too early to disrupt a market. And I've got to say, I loved your example of your mum being the arbiter of uh, what people are ready for. That's, <laughs> I have the my mum test also. <laughs> for campaigns that I'm not quite sure if they're a bit too out there. My mum will tell me straight away. But yeah, we realised with that particular campaign, share cars, not cake. It was all a big, big broad concept around encouraging car sharing. But mm. in the days when nobody car shared, we were too early. We were too early with that one. Um, but now that kind of concept could work brilliantly. But at the time, we were just ahead of the curve. Me and James. It's kind of it's fun to be ahead of the curve. But I think if you the, the safety net is to try and say, right, you know, we, we need to measure this and we need yeah. to know fairly quickly whether this is direction that that we can take. I've got a couple of clients who I really enjoy working with and they they always want to be utterly wild completely kind of wacky and you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm well up for that but i do you know sort of say okay well what's going to tell us when when this has worked or failed because yeah. in my experience there if you read a lot of articles about seo 
and to a certain extent PR. There's a lot of yeah. people who talk about metrics. Uh, sorry, metric. So one of the rules of this podcast, I try never to use industry kind of slang, but there's measurements. Uh, measurements. There's a lot of people who will, you know, say where well, a good campaign is a campaign that has reached twenty thousand people, for example, on Facebook, yeah. Facebook ads. And my next question is, well, how many of those people bought something? How many of those people committed? How many yes, exactly. did what you wanted them to do? For example, Instagram advertising through Facebook, I can push 100,000. I'm not bragging here, but I can push 100,000 visitors to any website for probably about £150, and it will yeah. do nothing. <laughs> it will do nothing at <laughs> all. So th- this brings us back to our kind of scalpel, not fire hose thing, because yeah, definitely, because we mustn't get we mustn't get distracted by um, the ability through automated, very good technology to serve a message to a massive audience. Mm. Um, but it's it's not the correct measurement. <laughs> In my opinion, it's not. Um, it's about effectiveness, and does it have any impact? And how can we measure that? And for me, I'm much more interested in the nature and depth of comment and interaction. For example, on the social, typical social media campaign, I want to have a look at what people are actually saying that mm. has, uh, you know, they're, they're talking about their experience of it. In, in some quite meaningful way rather than just, yeah, that's great, I bought it. You know, they're saying how it's changed their life, how they're using it, how they were able to, um, how it benefited them. That's the kind of, you know, metric for want of trade speak that I'm most interested in. And I don't know if this is appropriate or inappropriate, but I'm all about, you know, we've got to just say this these things nowadays. It's really important. There is a, there's a, a very, very interesting advert uh, go, going on um, social media at the moment it's body form body form sanitary products for women and it is changing the way that women are responding on social media to that kind of advert if people don't know what I'm talking about and are just curious about it for the sake of understanding how PR messaging meets an effective viral social media campaign go and have a look at that one at the moment it's very interesting they've done so much but what they haven't done in my opinion is they haven't decided how they're going to manage um the human response to many 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 of their global customers entrusting body form and social media public space with their kind of trauma actually Mm. The trauma. So the missing element, unless it's coming later in the campaign, is, well, what is Body Form, the brand, now going to do in response to all of these women saying, thank you for bringing this truly, um, you know, unusually candid and refreshing and honest campaign that shows it in its full glory and horror. <laughs> um, and thank you for, you know, providing a decent product to enable us to get through it. But what's happening at the moment on social media is they're saying things like, oh, that must have been very, you know, thank you for sharing that. That must have been very difficult for you, (laughs) you know, which is a little disturbing. I want the PR in me saying, come on, social media team at Bodyform, do something else. Do something beyond the usual automated it response. Does, it does seem a little safe. I, I'm not familiar with the campaign. Mm. I'm, I'm going to look it up um, when we finish speaking. But, yeah, it, it does seem a little bit safe. Um, mm. 
I, I think it's okay for some very large brands to take risks. Mm. I mean, because mm. there'll always be someone who, you know, who decides that they're never going to align with that brand. Sorry, align with that brand. Someone who's never going to buy anything from that brand again because yeah. of something. Uh, an example I really like about um, Burger King in America responded very badly to something that went viral. Somebody who worked at a Burger King posted a picture of themselves saying, working so hard, I have to take a bath at work. And they were sat naked in one of the enormous fridges <gasps> in a Burger King. And you could oh see- Oh my goodness. Yes, I know. It went viral and you could see the Yikes. face and everything. And Burger King issued a- issued a statement saying that person's been fired of course we um you know we we uphold our stand and they completely misunderstood it the the reason it yeah. went viral is for one thing of course people think it's funny and and it, <laughs> it's kind of a lot of people it's funny we'll just share something and go and that's it that's the end of their involvement mm. but there was actually quite an outcry about this guy getting fired so I, I don't know who they hired but burger king the burger king i think it was the md then posted a picture on the official Burger King Twitter stream of himself yeah. having a bath in a Burger King restaurant. <laughs> and I thought, they've done it. They've turned it around. I thought that was a, a, really, yeah. a really nice way. I mean, it was too slow, but they, you know, they could have handled that a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, but it's just that humanity, isn't it? It's, um, you know, inject a little bit of warmth and humanity into a series of scheduled messages in a campaign. It's being human, isn't it? Yeah. Um, right. So we, we've been having fun with this, but let, let's let's kind of break. I'm going to try and break with my own tradition here and try and talk about kind of the, something that we've declared the topic to be. So when we spoke about kind of recording this podcast, we were talking about the fact we both agreed that, that a big mistake in PR and marketing as a whole is to have a confusing message or to have too many messages. So yeah. as, as a takeaway, as something that, that people listening to this can can use i wonder if between us we can sort of give give a bit of guidance on how to form a good message for your business i mean first of all let's quickly discuss why it's a bad, a bad idea to have many messages and, and i'm going to give you an example from a purely website and user experience i see a lot of websites as soon as you land on them the company will show the 25 proper Suffolk there 25 25 25 the 25 products and services that they provide then you land there and you're just like uh okay whereas earlier I was looking for um, a dietitian uh, for my own reasons and I found a website and that's the only thing the person talked about so the message I got from that website is I'm a dietitian this is what I focus on this is what my expertise is is in so how, how would you deal with a client coming to you and saying, look, we need PR, we need marketing to get across, or to, you know, to increase the bottom line? I know you work a lot in the arts, mm. um, so the, the motivation would be different. Well, let's do it from an arts perspective. If, mm. if an arts organisation approached you and said, look, we want to make sure that people know that we're supporting the community. We want to make sure people know that we're, we're celebrating new writers. We want to make sure people know that we have these three theatres and employ people with disabilities. We want people to, and the list goes on and on. I mean, mm. how, what's your first instinct? doesn't have to be what you'd actually say, but what, what, what would pop in your head? Kind of- oh, well, what I want to know at the outset of all of those kind of conversations is what is the bottom line? Is okay. the commercial priority of your organisation to sell sufficient, you know, a certain percentage or all of your tickets valued at this amount of money? Otherwise, you're all out of a job next season. 
And that's sometimes the, you know, the commercial reality, isn't mm. it, depending on the nature of the organisation or the venue. Um, whereas other charities may say in response to that, well, actually, our goal and priority this year is to reach more of these harder to reach groups within our wider community because we've analysed our stats from last year and we're quite happy with the number of people we're reaching in these groups or in these places but you know we can see that there's some people we're not serving so that's our priority so it the the PR approach and the recommendations that I'd make would be way different for those Mm. two different perhaps at first glance remarkably similar arts charities or venues but actually it you know they could have way different priorities that need to be addressed yeah i've realized i kind of asked you an impossible question which i, I do have a you habit did, of didn't you? <laughs> i like it if you ask impossible questions <laughs> it, it makes people really think um right so i'm gonna we're just gonna have to crowbar this <laughs> kind of back. i think uh, to be fair i think the conversation that we've had over the last half an hour i think that it's come up multiple times that having a clear simple message that backs up what it is you want to achieve is kind of the only way ahead in my opinion. Yeah. And just knowing why you're good and what you're what you're really good at. Mm. I mean, I might I may have 10 plus services that in theory I could offer, but I know the ones that I'm excellent at, you know, and I'm the best at that. You know, if I'm really standing on my big girl, you know, light shining on me, come on, own this kind of box. I know that I'm really good at strategy Mm. and I know that I'm a national media specialist and not every PR and not every agency is. So I'm quite happy to sort of say that they're the things that are my unique selling points, you know, my particularly strong selling points, as well as the industry knowledge that, you know, that I may have particular industries. I think that there's there's potentially another whole episode and conversation to have about how, how you express your core message to people. I mean, from, from my perspective mm. as a digital marketer and SEO and from your perspective as a, as a PR, um, I kind of don't want to go too far down that route right now because actually I'd love to, but I'm not going to because it could be like <laughs> another two hours here. But, but I'll tell you what, listeners, if, if you want to know more about that, kind of please let me know and, and yeah, we'll, I'll try and book Helen in a busy schedule again. <laughs> um okay so i mean is is there anything else you'd like to add i mean i quite like these conversational episodes because they they take us down some interesting paths but if there was one takeaway that you'd like someone who's listened to this episode to really take to heart and to really put into action in their business what would Mm. it be um ultimately it would be don't assume you need to hire an agency you may need to hire an individual i like that Yes, no, no, I agree entirely. In fact, if I was kind of shining a light on myself, I'd say the fact I'm not a super massive agency is a positive thing. I know from kind of off-record conversations with friends who work for large agencies, they feel quite stifled by having to have a meeting about a meeting about a meeting about a meeting. Mm. And I know from kind of the support network you have around you is, is similar to the one I have, that I may be one person, but, you know, I am legion. <laughs> there, you know, the the, the, yeah, kind of the, yeah, the backstage exactly. crew is is pretty big. Yeah, I mean, we've got we've got two employees, and we have over the years taken on some 
huge projects just because we have that ability and we're well, you know, we're well connected enough to know where the experts are locally that we can just say, do you want to hop on? Do you want to do this bit? And that's a really beautiful thing. It's good for the client because they can see how quickly we can respond to something that needs fast and big action mm. and big impact. But it's um, a remarkably straightforward and simple way of running a business that I love. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy to. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Helen. I mean, if people want to get in touch with you, and they absolutely should, and if they want to follow your exploits and follow your ad- adventure through PR, how can people find you? Well, they can find me um, if they want to go old school. They can phone me, but the phone phone number's on affinitypr.co.uk website. If they want to find me on Twitter, I'm at World of PR. You can find Affinity PR on Facebook and on all the usual channels. Which do you I pre- love it when people do bother to just pick up the phone. It's just gorgeous. No, I was going to say, what, what's, your, what's your preferred method? And talking. <laughs> I think I, I could probably yeah. have probably have guessed that. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, <laughs> Helen, well, thank you ever so much for your time. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. As ever, I'm obliged to say, please like and subscribe and tell tell your mum. See, see if your mum's a good <laughs> test of who might <laughs> like this podcast. Helen, so, well, thank you very much. And until the next time, listeners, thank, thank you. you for listening. Thank you.